one of 20 years after Jesus arose to a church that he had spent three years with, where he was their pastor in Corinth and has now traveled on, and he's writing back to them uh, this first letter. And the lectionary takes us to a wonderful portion of that letter in the 15th chapter. We'll read the first 11 verses in just a moment. The celebration of Resurrection Day, this day in which we remember that Jesus Christ arose from the dead, is by most accounts the 1,985th day that Christians have gathered to do this. Now stop and think about what that means throughout the world. We're at kind of the end of this day. The international date line, as you know, is in the Pacific. And so all through this day, down through the centuries, when that first day of the week, the eighth day, as it's called in the early church, the church, the day of beginnings, because Christ has rose again and all things are new, we're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. We're worshiping because he is worthy of life. All of his story is based on who he is and what he has done. Down through history, of course, we've always honored people who have changed the course of history. We celebrate them usually by remembering their birthday or their death. We do that, of course, with Jesus. We remember his birth on Christmas and his death we met at Tenebrae on Good Friday to remember that great sacrifice. But there's only one person in all of history that we gather to celebrate his resurrection from the dead. That person is our Lord Jesus Christ. And as our Lord, we recognize that as Christians, we see him as someone much more than just a great person, a great rabbi, a great teacher of humanity. But the world even sees him in exemplary form, that he changed the very course of the way that we do history itself. We even measure the years by his birth. We used to speak of B.C. before Christ and A.D. in the year of our Lord. But now we speak globally in all the nations of the world. We've come together in a common calendar and we've changed it in what I suspect they thought would be a more politically correct kind of way of describing it. That we talk about everything B.C.E. before the common era and C.E. the common era. But I think that's even more meaningful. What is it that brought all of humanity into common? What has caused us to become a community of human beings? There's one whose birth marks the difference between this dismembered humanity that is broken apart and the possibility of humanity coming together across all nations, all people, all language into a single community of his throughout the world and throughout time. So this morning we gathered early at sunrise to watch the sunrise and to remember that Jesus Christ rose in those early dawn days. Now we've gathered in the sanctuary to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And in so doing, we are, as we've sung throughout the whole morning in all the songs, we are celebrating the defeat of death itself. We are celebrating the defeat of death itself. So to continue that celebration, we're going to turn to the earliest recorded words about the resurrection, written about 20 years after by Paul. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to start with the first verse and go through the 11th. Paul writes, Now brothers and sisters, 
I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the prophecies of Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the prophecies of Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and I did not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they that is that this is what we preached, and this is what you believed. I keep that open before you. Father, we've come together today to remember what we believe and why we believe it and the tremendous hope and power that is in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we've gathered in the safety of sanctuary. We gathered on the seashore earlier. We will gather in our homes later on with family and friends. We will remember that your son's death and resurrection has changed everything. So be with us today. Let that good news communicate deep within our hearts. And if there's any way we're not experiencing the fullness of the gospel, may each one of us be open to you now. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. All celebrations are, in fact, about remembering. We remember a birth and a birthday. We remember an anniversary. We celebrate together Independence Day, remembering our freedom. We remember the memorial of those who have died before us. We remember because something happened that was significant in our past that helps define who we are in the present and who we will become in the future. I had someone say something to me recently that just captured my imagination. She said that this world has a way of dismembering us. Isn't that true? This world can take us apart, strand by strand, member by member, hope by hope. But she said, to remember is to be put back together again into a whole person. All of our members reattached. All of our hopes restored. The lost has been returned. Wholeness and relationship is regained. We are one again. And there is nothing that remembers us in all of history like the remembering of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing only about 20 years, as I said, after the resurrection and he begins by reminding us that we need to remember the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you 
of the gospel. Now, it's not that they had forgotten that Jesus had rose from the dead. It's only 20 years later. They certainly knew that he had had victory over death, that the chains could not hold him, that he erupted from that darkness. But just like us, the Christians of old experienced this world and all of its dismembering powers and experiences and difficulties, how we lose those that we have a sense that we've lost part of us when they're gone and we're dismembered by their absence. We are losing our minds, our ways of thinking, and we need to be reminded and put in our right mind once more. We've lost our life and we need to be revived such that we can live and, and live fully. And so Paul is simply saying to him what every resurrection day, every Easter says to us, remember, be remembered, be brought back together in the truth of the gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ. His story is a story of great renewal and remembrance and putting the world back together again. In verse 3, he says it this way, For what I received, this isn't something Paul made up, I passed on to you as of first importance, this is primary, this is core to life, there's nothing more important than the gospel. And he says there are three things. That Christ died for our sins, as prophesied according to the scriptures, as the prophet Isaiah, for example, said he would. That he was buried. This world took his life. He actually died and was buried. And that he rose again on that third day just as the prophet Jonah symbolized and Hosea explains. We have spent the last 40 days in Lent. We have been looking at those things within our lives that have been at least not helpful and sometimes destructive. And we've committed to God to remove those things. But if you've ever tried to remove anything that is destructive from your life, you know that it's not by sheer willpower that you can do it. It's not by our strength or our might. We need a power greater than ourselves that can come and be with us. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. We need a Sanctifier. We need an ever-present Counselor. We need God and all the resources of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work within our lives so that we can have, in fact, a new life. And that's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is about new life made possible through Jesus Christ, the Savior of humanity, who came that we might live and live abundantly. That, in fact, is a prophecy that Isaiah said would happen 700 years before Jesus came. In Isaiah, we see that this one who comes is going to take our pain and bear our suffering he would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. In fact, Isaiah goes on to explain that the punishment that brings us peace will be done to him and that his wounds will heal us. And then Isaiah says what every human being who's in the least bit honest with ourselves is that all of us go astray every one of us to our own way. 
we know what it is to live in such selfish, self-centered concern that we have no regard even for the person with whom we share the home or the workplace or the community or the world. We know what Isaiah is describing 2,700 years ago and that we need someone to come and to help us so that we might have life. We know how we've been dismembered and we need to be remembered by Jesus Christ on the cross. I have a confession to make to you today. I became a pastor when I was 25 years old. And as is true of me, not all 25-year-olds, but I tried to downplay the fact that people are selfish and they go their own way and they're in need of a Savior. I was embarrassed about it. I would even read quickly through the litany of the sacrament when it came to that statement. Because I didn't want to embarrass anyone. I didn't want people to think that I thought that somehow they were not a loving person. But now I've lived a few years. I've walked with thousands of people through very difficult experiences. I've watched people be dismembered. And I've watched them do it to themselves. I've watched them have it done to them, however innocent they are. And... I have learned without any doubt that we're all in need of a Savior. No human ability can remember us. We must be put back together by the power of God at work within our hearts and our lives, our minds and our souls. If we are ever to find peace in this hurting world, we must in fact come together in this common unity that Jesus makes possible so that all things are healed. Thousands of years of hatred can be healed in the one who brings hope to our world. So the very beginning of the good news is that we have someone who came and can set us free and will set us free from the power of sin and selfishness and death and give us a whole, complete and eternal life. That is the good news. That is great news. This morning... If this year has been a dismembering experience for you and you're hurting because of suffering that you're experiencing or you've done to yourself or someone has done it to you, if you feel as though you're in pieces today, today is a perfect day to remember that Jesus Christ came to put you back together again, to allow you to be whole and holy in Him. So I encourage you, if not in this moment, throughout this day, take time to spend with God and let Him restore, revive, renew who you are. Now the Gospel, the good news continues with a simple statement. Jesus Christ was buried. Two simple truths. First, that sin does in fact bury us. He who knew no sin became sin for us and took our place and sin buried uh, this innocent one. Second, and of equal importance, death is real. Life is not a game. The choices that we make are real. The lives we live, what others do to us is real. Life and death is real. 
But of course that leads us then to the third and the final ingredient of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Death is not the end. As Paul says, yes, Jesus Christ was buried, but on the third day, just as the scriptures said, just as Jonah exemplified and Hosea explained, he arose from the grave. He lives. He broke the chains of death, that great nemesis of humankind. It's interesting that Jesus himself in his own teachings tied his impending death to the experience of Jonah when he said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And in a similar way, Hosea explains, After two days he will revive us, on the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Now that's not only referring to God bringing resurrection power to his Son, but it's speaking of you and of me in our resurrection when we will be revived, restored, resurrected, remembered in the presence of God and will forever live with him in complete form, which we only experience in shadow form, in momentary experiences here on this side of the grave. We are nearing the 2,000th time Christians will gather the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the remembering of what Jesus did is not to focus on the past. It's not even to look forward to the future. It's to allow God today to be Savior and Lord, sanctifier and presence, to bring us back together again through his power and his love. There's, of course, a children's nursery rhyme that's very depressing, actually, but very accurate, that we all teach our children. It was written in the 1700s, and the author explained that Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. There's only one in all of history who has the power to put us together again. I encourage you to spend time with this one who is beyond anything our world can even begin to imagine. A power of life that breaks the chains of death. Let's spend time with God.
hands and side. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight. But downward bends this wandering eye at mystery so bright. Ground in the Lord of He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. May you go in the power of the risen one, and may you experience the fullness of the gospel. Amen.